So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah. Uh, I'm actually going to be in several different places, but Isaiah is our scripture. It's the context of which this whole series is built. Um, it is Isaiah 9, and you'll see it in verse 6 is where, we're, where we'll pick up, and, uh, and we'll go through uh, verse 8. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So this is in our series, and today we are going to be on the Everlasting Father. The Everlasting Father. Another word that you can use for that is the Eternal Father. Now, I will tell you that when I looked at this and how I wanted to bring about the message that there was a little difficulty for me because when I think of the Father, I usually think of the Trinity and I think of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God what? I just wanted to see if we had any Methodist kind of people that would respond. Thank you for all of y'all. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? And we think of God the Godhead as the, the Father, and then we think the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so when I was looking at this... I, it was a little difficult because I always think of that context, the Trinity. And I was going like, well, how, how do we kind of put it into calling Him Everlasting Father? And then I kind of did some study. I thought, well, it's kind of His Eternal Father. And I was thinking about Jesus, and because of what Jesus did for all of us on the cross, then we have the opportunity to have fellowship with God the Father again that was broken but through His Son, Jesus, we have that. But it's also referenced, because it's the Trinity, they're all three in one. And we all go like, okay, I don't understand that. Because it's, I mean, how's there's three in one, the Godhead, the Trinity. And so I kind of said, well, how, how do I explain this? Because if I was trying to explain it um, to my son, Jay, um, by the way, all the huddle guys, girls, thank you all for being in here today. If I was trying to explain it to him, how would I explain to him? And then I thought, well, he might be able to grasp that a little bit by concept of faith and trusting God. But if it was Brock, who's my nine-year-old, how might I get it across to him? So here's kind of where I came up with this. I started looking at how God is obviously the creator of everything. And I put it into this thought that that we see from prophecy that this child would be born out of Isaiah, okay? And he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And all the government's going to rest on his shoulders. So Isaiah gives this prophecy. And this prophecy leads us to this person coming that in the Old Testament is called what? The Messiah. And then when he arrives is called Jesus Christ. And so I was thinking in the concept of our country, that when we talk about our forefathers, or the fathers of our country, we have certain names that come to mind. When we talk about the father of our country, we usually say, who? Thank you. George Washington. 
George Washington was the father of our country. That's what we kind of say in the concept. And then we talk about the fathers of our country and who signed on the dotted line for that and what that looks like. And so that's the concept when, when I get you guys to think this morning of how do we think of, of Jesus being the eternal father or the everlasting father, how do we kind of put that together? Well, I also did some study on some of the words, and here's what it says that the that the word eternal father was also in the Greek word, the Vulgate, was this, the father of the future age. And then he gave another description that I thought was awesome. The father of eternity. Because what do we know about Jesus? We know that he is going to live forever. I know that Christ will reign as the King of kings and Lord of lords for eternity. I know that Christ, who has given us the ability to have eternal life, is truly the Father of eternity. It is through his sacrifice that I will be able to live forever. And if you are a follower of Christ, that you will be able to live forever. He is the Father of eternity. All right, does that make sense? Give you a little bit of background on how we can look at that. So, with that said, in John uh, chapter 1, 1 through 4, it says this about Christ. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was, that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men, and the Word became flesh, Jesus, right? And dwelt among us, and He beheld His glory, the glory of His only begotten Father, full of grace. John 1, 1 through 4. Jesus teaches us that He is eternal. He tells us in His Scripture that He was from the beginning, he was involved in the creation of all things, and the fact that He exists is a part of understanding that He did begin with creation. And so as we look at Him as the Eternal Father, we say God the Father in the Trinity, we say God the Son, but we understand that Jesus is truly, because of what He did for us on the cross, He is our Eternal Father. So, some characteristics this morning of an eternal father. What does it mean to you and I today? Every time I get up to preach, my desire is simply this. I, I, I want to understand what God is saying through his word that can make a difference in my life today. If it can't affect us today, what use is it? And the truth is, is that you and I, I call us consumers in this sense. That we are consumers trying to figure out if what God says about himself and about his word and about what he offers to us is going to work. And then we as consumers decide whether we want to believe it or not. And the truth is, is God desires for all to come to know him and to believe. But who of us start making that judgment as consumers on what we're going to believe and what we're not going to believe. And so there's three characteristics that he gives us in his scripture that helps us to understand. The first one is this. Christ's character does not change. 
Christ and his character does not change. You guys might know this guy's name. His name is Chris Tomlin. He writes a ton of songs, has won a ton of awards, and he put it in this way in one of his songs. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever, for he is good. He is above all things. His love endures forever. From the rising to the setting of the sun, his love endures forever. By the grace of God, he will carry on. His love endures forever. Anybody know the song? And then he says what? Sing praise. Sing praise forever God is faithful Forever God is strong, forever God is with us. And then he ends that song by saying what? Forever. Forever. By the way, is it sometimes difficult to think of forever? Is it sometimes difficult to think of eternity? And a lot of times, I'll be honest with you guys, that sometimes when I think of forever and eternity... I think of the the wrong things forever and for eternity. My mom burnt everything she ever cooked. I'm not kidding. So in my mind, when I was a kid, I was thinking forever and eternity. I'm 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 having burnt cheese toast and burnt chili, and burnt forever. I didn't even know that there was real spaghetti like. The real kind from Italy that you put in the pot and it's in the sticks. And because our spaghetti was, was a layer of Chef Boyardee, a pound of hamburger meat, and cheddar cheese on top. And so when I went to somebody else's house to eat spaghetti, it's like, ooh, what, what is this? By the way, it's, Chef Boyardee's really good. That, that's what I thought spaghetti was. My concept of eternity as I became older, started changing, because why? We start thinking of things different. When somebody passes away, we start thinking of things different, don't we? In fact, this morning, you might have noticed that um, Greg Stutz and his family aren't with us. They're usually always with us during the holidays. Greg's wife, Robin, learned Thursday night that her brother had been killed in a car wreck. 44 years old. And so Greg's doing the funeral tomorrow. When we have things like that happen, we start to think differently. We start to think about life and death. We start to think about eternity. When you go to Christmas this year and you notice that Grandma isn't quite got it going on like she usually does, right? This last week, I called my mom. She's 81. Love her to death. Still fun, fun, fun lady. Hey, Jonathan, I saw you and Bubba. That's my other brother. I saw you and Bubba on CNN yesterday. I said, you did? What were we doing? <laughs> she said, you and Bubba were telling that Obama about health care and what he needed to do. <laughs> I said, Mom, that is awesome. Did, did, we, have a, did we do good? Oh, yeah, I think it's going to turn things around. <laughs> Mom, that's great. I'm glad for that. And then she started telling me another story. You know, once I get on the phone with my sister, okay, what was true? <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't on CNN. You know, what, what, how's Mom today? Oh, she's had a pretty good day. You know what? It starts changing for us. My kids already make fun of me 
because I call them go down the line trying to, you know. Jay, Jim, Brock, which one are you? Whatever you are. Oh, it's the dog. Sorry. Every day that you and I live, we're closer to what? We're, we're closer to our death. And the Bible says that our life is just a vapor. So what are you and I doing to make it count? And what do we depend upon? And who are we trusting? And what do we believe in? And what he says is that, that his son Jesus never changes. The characteristic of his son that never changes. He's the same yesterday and today. In fact, Hebrews 13, 8 says it this way. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the way he is. Now, you guys, a lot of time when I look at the scripture, I go, well, that's Jesus. I mean, the guy was perfect. And we're not all perfect, right? But then he gives us this whole Bible to look at other characters that weren't perfect, but he said that they still lived for God. And so a great example of that same characteristic that we see in Jesus was the prodigal son and his father. The prodigal son decided what? Hey, I want all my riches and cash in early on your, on your stuff, Dad. Okay, son. And he let him take it. And the son went and squandered it and had fun. And we'll just say it in our context, he partied and had a good time. Spent all his money, didn't do things with it wisely. And he looked around one day and he realized, good night. My dad's servants have it better than I've got it. I'm looking over there at the pig trough and the food's looking pretty good. That's what the prodigal son said. I, I'm, I'm going to tuck my tail and swallow my pride and I'm going home. And what does it say about the father? Did the father ever give up on looking for the prodigal son? Never did. It says that he always kept looking for the sun. He would even go out and just look at the horizon for when he might come. And one day, the prodigal son came coming back. And this is so cool. The prodigal son said to the father, I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. I think that that kid probably practiced that speech all the way home, didn't he? Because he knew that it was going to be better than what he had had. And when the dad saw the prodigal son from afar, what did he do? He started telling his servants, hey, go get, go get, the, go get the fatted cow. Let's get, let's, let's get the party started. My son's coming home. And by the way, he didn't wait for the son to come to him. He did what? He ran to the son. That is how much. The example that Jesus gives us for his unconditional love for us is the same example that we have from this prodigal son who turned against his family and said, hey, thanks, Dad, but I'm going to go do my own thing. And yet the dad was awaiting for him, looking for him, searching for him. And when he came home, treated him as though nothing had ever happened. Do you see how much Jesus loves you and I and how much his character does not change? 
He does not change. And then the second thing that we see about Jesus' character is that Christ's compassion does not change. So we see that his character didn't change. Then we see that his compassion didn't change. In Matthew 9.36, he says this, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? Compassion for them, because they were weary, scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. And then in Mark 1.4, listen to this. He says this, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And then listen what Jesus said. It says this, Then moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and he touched him and he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And then listen to the verse of the prodigal son's dad from Luke 15, 20. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. Compassion is a movement. And for us, and where we live in America, and the things that we're blessed with, and the things that we can look around at Christmas and say, man, Lord, we, we truly have a lot. compared to others. Compassion is what will bring back this land to a holy God who loves us and desires for us to follow Him. And we have to understand what that compassion means. So I wrote down a couple of things from a definition of this. Listen. Suffering with another. Painful sympathy. A a sensation of sorrow excited by the distress or misfortunes of others. Compassion is a mixture of passion compounded with love and sorrow. When Jesus sees us in distress, He is compassionate towards us. When He sees the mess that we've made of our lives, He is moved with compassion. When our life has been hard, when our life has been and been dealt a bad hand, he is moved with compassion. The compassion of Jesus moves him to rescue us. The compassion of Jesus moves him to save us. The compassion of Jesus does not change, ever. It hasn't changed since the beginning, and it doesn't change now for how he feels about us. Jesus is moved to compassion. Are you and I moved to compassion for even our own family? Are we moved to compassion for our friends? Are we moved to compassion for our neighbors? As a part of the mission of this church, are we moved to compassion for our community? Are we moved to compassion for the campus over there? It has 25,000 students and a faculty. It's moved to compassion. And then the third thing is that Christ's commitment never changes. His compassion never changes, his character never changes, and his commitment never changes. He is the everlasting, which means this, forever. When we apply that to Jesus, it's this. It's a declaration of His faithfulness, His trustworthiness, His goodness, His love, and His mercy. 
Isaiah called it this. In fact, he called it the, the, the becoming Christ that was going to be here. The Messiah was the eternal Father. In Lamentations, Jeremiah uh, spoke about this. And he talked about the eternal faithfulness, trustworthiness, and love and mercy of God. Jeremiah spoke about it also in 29.11 when he says this, I know what I am doing. I have it all planned out, plans to care for you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future that you hope for. That's what he has for you and I. That's what he says about us. And listen to this verse from Lamentations. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for His mercies never end. They are, not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, I say to you. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to those persons who seek Him. It is good to wait quietly for the deliverance of the Lord. Many of you might recognize that as an old hymn. Great is thy what? Thy faithfulness. See, a lot of us have a choice this morning to make about what we believe about our Lord and Savior Jesus. That He is committed to us. That He is compassionate to us. And that His character never ever changes. And He always, He always will be there for His children. So when we think about how we are compassionate and how we show that as people to others, what will they see? Will they see Jesus? Or will they see something different in us? This last week, um, obviously, there were more snow days ever in the world of northwest Arkansas than can imagine. I thought I was safe by leaving. Um, Michael Hocklander and I, one of the elders, went to Guatemala to set up the spring break trip. I thought, hey, kids will start back to school. Everything will be great. Elizabeth will be fine. The kids will be fine. And then, of course, I find out every time I'm texting and get an email uh, down there at night when we get back to the hotel that, not fine. Kids are still here. Going to kill them. <laughs> start crazy. Can't even get out of the driveway. The four-wheel drive car's got slick tires, and my front-wheel drive car can't get to... I mean, it was just, you know, like, okay, maybe I shouldn't contact. I can't get emails. Sorry, honey. I'm, you know. It, it didn't seem to be a good week while I was gone. For y'all. All of y'all. <clears throat> and then one of the guys that went with us on the trip... Um, we started seeing the Lord do some things in his life by some things that he was dealing with down there, and a pretty neat story. But he's also the guy that has helped us with getting the turkeys for our church. So if you remember, we'd say, hey, get a turkey. And you all probably saw those in your seat, and you had the little turkey thing. Said, hey, get a turkey. Um, what that does is it supplies somebody on campus, either a student or a faculty member, um, that needed to have some food. Um, by the way, you guys might not know this, but we, we have a relationship with a food bank on campus, U of A Food Bank. It's run by students, um, and they try to help students and other faculty members that might not have food. And we help supply them with that directly from our church. And so we had these out for a couple of weeks, and then we missed a week because of church, remember, last week. Um, and so we kind of put these somewhere for you. 
And it just simply talked about, hey, buy a turkey. We're going to give it to somebody that's on campus. Okay? And we kind of release it at that point and give them direction. So last year we did 50 turkeys. said, hey, we can do 50 turkeys, right? Um, it was a little slim leading into last Sunday. And then last Sunday we didn't have church, so it was real slim. Okay? But I'd committed to 50 turkeys. I'm going to go ahead and say by faith right now I committed to 50 turkeys. Well, that was roughly, I think we said somewhere around $2,500. I think $50 is what we said, $45 is what it cost, and then we were going to give the rest to help get some more food for them. So this guy, Mike Rogers, he's in our church. Uh, and he deals with food services and stuff. And so he said, hey, here's what we can do. When we get home, we'll get the turkeys, bring them over. I said, okay. He goes, listen, I got a call while I was gone. So we're on our way back. We're traveling. He said, I got a call. Because they found out what we're doing for the food bank, they wanted to give us half price on the turkeys. Right? Hey, Lord, thank you. We're not even sure we're going to be able to pay for the turkeys, and now you give us half price. God, you're in control. Thank you for what you do. So we get back late. I don't can't remember what night it was. And we go pick up the turkeys the next day. And when we get there, of course, we're still sliding around because they hadn't quite moved all the ice in town, have they? Still sliding around. We get there, and we pick up the turkeys. And I'm seeing Mike's face, and he's smiling at me. going, hey, what, what's going on? He goes, man, I, I get in there, and they said, we just really believed in so much of what you guys are doing. Uh, we just need to cover the cost of this, and it was $600. So we got to take the, the rest of that money that you're going to give today towards turkeys. We got to give the rest of that money to benevolence for what we need to do to help people in our community and over there at the food bank. Now, if you can figure out a way that you can put that on a piece of paper and all the people that you needed to talk to to make that happen, um, one, we want to have you as part of our elder board and staff soon. But I can tell you this, that that's a God thing. The, the people that we were dealing with, the turkeys, there, there wasn't a Christian that we were dealing with. They saw what we were doing to help people on the campus and said, we, we want to help you guys. So the Lord knew that there was a situation that happened before this ever came along, didn't he? So what's your situation this morning? What is it that God is desiring for you to do and he's been kind of putting it on your heart and you, and you need to follow through with whatever that is. Listen, it might be as simple as I'm going to have to get right with a family member at Christmas. It might be, gosh, I've had this neighbor. They're kind of bugging me. I need to, we need to do something to reach out. It, it might be somebody that you're working with. It might be that God is, is moving you this morning to compassion to do something that may be really uncomfortable for you. But it's not about your comfort. It's about your obedience to Him and your desire to follow Him. So here's what I want to do. Um, I want to end our service with, with, with simply this. I'm, I've got, I call it the canned music. We want to have some canned music. And I want to just take a few minutes to pray. And it's not going to be more than a couple of minutes, but I just want you to ask God, Hey, Lord, here we are. We get busy. We've got another week of school for, for our, our 
our, our younger kids, the college kids, um, they'll be done by Wednesday uh, with their finals. Uh, things change around here at Christmas time while the college kids are gone uh, for our whole community, doesn't it? And yet, even in that time, uh, it's funny just seeing some of our athletes over here, girls, glad you guys are here today, just thinking about them. They don't, they don't get off like some of the other students do because they have their sports that they're participating in. And so when you look at what God has in our community, it's very specific in the way that he wants to reach your neighbor, that campus, and this place that we call home. And we're going to scatter for Christmas. And each of you are going to have Christmas stories. But those Christmas stories mean something. They mean something to you. They mean something to your family. They mean something to who you're going to pass it on to later. And so in the quietness of this moment, I just want you to bow your heads with me for a few minutes. And I want you to pray and I want you to ask God, Lord, what do you desire from me? I've got a new year coming up. I've got all these things that I want to dream about, I want to do. Lord, what is it that that you desire for me? Lord, what what do I need to to do with my own family? Lord, how how do you want me to be with my wife or my kids? Or how, how do you want me to be at work, Lord? What is it that you want? Just use this moment of of quietness to, to let the Lord speak to you and see what He says to you.